Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their lives daily. My name's Emery Phipps. And I'm Brian Barnes. And we're both from Troy, Ohio. And we're glad you're here with us again tonight. We're going to spend some time this evening talking about friendship and what that looks like as godly men. Yeah, I'm excited. I like my friends. Do you like your friends, Emery? I enjoy friendship. And we'll get into that tonight. It's not something that I always valued or cared as much about because I felt like I just didn't need people, mm. and that was stupid. And yeah. so hopefully by the time we're done tonight, all you people out there saying, I don't need friends, will realize that you're dumb and yeah. you need friends. Or uh, if you're saying, I don't know, I know I need them, but I don't know how to find them yeah. or, or how to grow those relationships, maybe we can give you some ideas in that category because the three of us all have good friendships, and it makes our lives infinitely better. Men were not made to live on an island and do life alone, particularly godly men. One of the biggest benefits of the church is that it provides a community with a broad and firm foundation of belief, and godly friendship works in, in a similar way, that those, those friendships mean so much more than thin, worldly friendships. So the aim tonight is to help encourage you to figure out who it is in your life that if you don't have good godly friendships— who you should be going after and pursuing and trying to grow some friendships. If you do have good godly friendships, how to grow and enrich those relationships or to encourage your friends better uh, as you're growing as godly men or, and, or your lost friends for that matter. I mean, we, we should have friends that are both, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that is something that I struggle with is just frankly running in the circles that I run in is, is the lost friendship side of it. I can be kind of jealous, frankly, of others who are out and about in the world day to day, um, rubbing elbows with people who are really just desperate and in, in desperate need of hearing the gospel. Sure. And so you get into a rut of relying on social media a lot of times to fill the gap. Parasocial relationships. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of those. I mean, and they're people that I know personally. I have, I have relationship with them in some way, but I don't rub elbows with them physically on a daily basis. So yeah. I think it's good that you mentioned that there about the need for non-Christian friends. Well, yeah, I think there's a ripe uh, field of evangelism there, right? Like if you've got relationships with people who are not believers, you get to do the mission work in the most natural framework or the most natural relationship you have. And it's just your friendship. And uh, sometimes it is hard. I, I know a lot of Christians like that. I think who have a hard time maybe identifying some lost people in their lives. We talk about grace friends, friends who are lost that, you know, you want to be intentional in bringing the gospel to those people, but are they also just friends? You know, that's that's important too. And not being just projects. Right, exactly. Know, like, that's what I mean, I yeah. Think, yeah, like, that. I can, I've definitely struggled with that in the past. I've had conversations with my wife about that where it's like, hey, this person, they need Jesus for certain, but just be their friend. It'll, all the... I don't know. I grew up in environments where you went and you knocked on doors a certain night of the week and you shared the gospel if you got a chance while you're talking to them. But all the evangelism was, we're going to go out and knock doors. We're going witnessing. It was, it was witnessing on a certain night of the week, like Monday or Tuesday night or whatever. Okay. You go out witnessing, knocking doors. Um, you'd hand out like a gospel of John or something to the person at the door. Try to invite them to church. Tell them who you were. Get a little conversation going. Maybe say, hey, can I pray with you? Is there anything I can pray for you about yeah. in this moment? 
And it was kind of like a notch in the belt. Like, okay, I talked to somebody. I shared the gospel at their door. Next house. Yeah. There's no relational. And, and, and the relational discipleships, or I'm sorry, relational evangelism was kind of poo-pooed at that point. It was like, no, we need to share the gospel with them. That's all we got to do. We don't want to be their friend. You're fishing with a net, not a pole. Yeah. And it was it was odd to me, frankly, but that was just the the culture huh. that I grew up in. So Well, and you said something too, like it shouldn't just be a project. I think people are really keen to that. And if your only mission in that relationship is to see this person wander to Christ, they're not going to feel like a friend. They're going to feel like a project. For and, certain. And that's not going to be a good friendship. And that, and I think it's, again, culturally within the church, we're convinced that somehow we're going to save somebody. Yeah. That our actions are going to lead to their salvation. So we get so worked up in that that we neglect just caring for them and loving them as an individual. Yeah. So. And, and when what, what you should be doing is hitting the share button on this podcast and just sending them the episodes and telling them to like us on Facebook and find us on Instagram. I think— The most friendly, God-honoring thing you can do. I agree. And if you haven't done that, uh, you should. Okay. Good. Well, uh, one of the verses that I think we got to start with is Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Easy to remember. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I like that. No friendship with any sort of depth has not encountered some adversity over time. Adversity in the relationship or one person in the relationship going through some extraordinary adversity. Relationships are strengthened and built when hard times come whether that's the interpersonal dynamic there or, you know, one of the two parties is really struggling with something. And so we're going to talk a bit tonight about how friendship should work and how to go find and make friends. We're going to talk a little bit about some examples that we saw in scripture uh, of friendship and then like what we ought to do in those relationships that we have now. So um, you want to start maybe with the biblical examples. I think that there's some some fruit there, some things to see and learn. Yeah, really good ones. And I'll just say, before we jump into the biblical examples, this was, frankly, just highly beneficial to me seven years ago or so, where I was coming out of some deep sin, getting with guys, and realizing, wait, there's people in the Bible. There's guys in the Bible who had deep, deep friendships. Yeah. Like, there's examples in scriptures, in the scriptures for me to see and learn from. Yeah. That was just kind of mind-blowing to me in the moment. So I, th I think that's a great place to start and just talk through some of these, maybe hop into the Old Testament and kind of tick off the list as we go. Yeah, yeah. Of the major ones. Yeah, the first one that came to my mind was Moses. Uh, when Israel was going to battle with Amalek, I'm not going to say it perfect, sorry. Haven't taken my Hebrew course yet. You know, this was the battle you're probably some somewhat familiar with where essentially, you know, Moses went up onto the high place, like the mountain or whatever, and it says that he would raise his arms, he held a staff, and he'd raise his arms. And when his arms were up, Israel would prevail over Amalek. And then if his arms dropped, Amalek would prevail over Israel. And so it says he like pulled up a, he like sat on a stone, he was getting tired, and he was holding up his arms. And then Aaron and Hur came up, and they each got on either side of him and held up one of his arms, and Israel prevailed. And that is a beautiful picture of friendship. I think if any godly man is living on an island alone, thinking that he can wage every battle by himself, if he can keep his arms up over his head by himself, he's sorely mistaken. And there's a day in his future uh, when he will fail, when he will fall, because you can't do your life by yourself. You just shouldn't. I think back just to times in the military where 
you just heavily rely on at least one other person. You never just go out on your own. Typically, you're within a team, yeah. like four persons, like in the Marine Corps, it's, you know, fire teams four, you know, squads 12 with a squad leader 13. So you, you have these units of people that go out and you have a very specific mission because you can't do it on your own. Yeah. Having that just friendship to lean on it. And, and you said there, like, you're eventually going to find a, you're going to be in a spot where you're going to need a friend. Yep. If you've spent your whole life and all your time ignoring that need, it's going to be a lot harder to have someone come run to help you in a moment. There'll be people, I'm sure, within your church that'll drop things and come help. I've, I frankly have personally done that. There better be. For sure. Find a new church. <laughs> but the uh, but the fact is we, we are going to need people. I mean, no matter how much we think we don't, right. it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah th- there will be a day. And there probably have been days in your lives uh, where it really would have been good to have somebody there with you. Um, okay, as, as we peruse through the Old Testament, David, uh, there's two relationships there that come to mind. David and Nathan, you've actually mentioned this on a previous episode. Nathan held David to account for his sin. And this is critical for a godly friendship. I mean, we if we don't have anybody looking over our shoulder and making sure that we're acting like godly men— when we fall or when sin wins and we feel like uh, we're just giving into that, you, you got to have men in your life who can call you on that. And Dave, so David essentially had a man killed because he had eyes for his wife and Nathan brought that to him. And he was wise about how he did it. He didn't just say, hey, I know that you killed this guy. He told it as a story like, hey, there's a man and he did this. And David's like, oh my goodness, can you imagine? And he goes, and it was you. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we need men like that in our lives to keep us accountable um, for that. And then David and Jonathan is, is the other example there. In First and Second Samuel, you see this relationship play out. Jonathan was the son of Saul. And by the way, after two weeks ago, you need to correct me if I say anything wrong, just so we're clear. Like, jump- yeah, we're going to lead with that tonight. I just, I just want to make sure we're, we're right up front. Uh, yeah. So, so Dave, because friends correct each other. Uh, David and Jonathan. Jonathan, you know, that, that was just a long format friendship and those those guys were tight they affirmed each other they encouraged each other they loved each other and that was really really clear in that text you know yeah and and it wasn't a superficial you know love for one another it was a deep friendship and our society today has tried to take that and turn it into something that's totally wasn't yeah obviously was not to make them feel good about their own sin, they try to say, oh, well, this was scriptural. This David, is what happened. David clearly had a taste for the ladies. I think that's yeah, a reach. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I find that very interesting. But yeah, the that that deep, deep friendship, you know, dealing with students, our society, if, if they have a deep friendship with a, someone of the same sex, the world cannot fathom that. It just makes no sense to them. So disappointing. Yeah. And because if you do... That kind of friendship is, is looked on as odd if you don't claim to be a homosexual. Because if you're homosexual, it's totally normal. So you're having conversations with kids who are being told, like, well, that's not normal to have that deep longing to hang out with someone, that just deep connection that you may not have with anybody else. That's of, crazy. Of the same. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to And that's me. also, that's like in us from childhood. Like our kids love to hang out with their friends and play. And they love hanging out with their friends. Like, oh, my son was at the door waiting tonight, hopefully hoping that your boys hopped out of that truck, you know? So, right. yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in us. Yeah. Somehow, though, as we become older men, we forget that. 
Yeah. I, I think that's where we're, we're going to get into that some night. The only thing I wanted to jump back to, you're talking about David and Nathan there and the accountability thing. You, you talked about accountability. Yeah. That whole, and we may jump into maybe this a little bit deeper later, but I just want to just point out that there was obviously a deep relationship and friendship there and a trust and a respect yeah. between the two of them, or he wouldn't have been able to do that. So as guys, be careful just going up to someone that you don't have a relationship and being like, oh, you're really messing this up. Right, right. You need that sometimes. But if you don't have a little bit of a relationship and it's somebody you just maybe you know head nodded once, probably don't want to run to him and call out his sin very aggressively. You right. find someone to do that. Um, or take him out to coffee, get to know him so that you can. Yeah, that's a good call. And then also, we need to be the kind of men who can take criticism, who can be held accountable, who can be told uh, and be given correction. You know, and, and so I understand when I say that, that if you're the kind of guy who doesn't do that well, you're, you probably don't even know it. And you, you, so I'm saying that really probably to deaf ears. For any, anyone who needs to hear that probably won't hear it. But yeah. Um, yeah, but we need to be open to hearing good men that we know and trust tell us when we're wrong. It's part of it. So, and then we wrote down Paul and his boys. Uh, Paul encouraging his friends at, at every turn in all of the epistles, telling them how much he loves them, how much he's praying for them, encouraging them in their ministry and their work. And that was, you know, that, that there's just so many examples there. Uh, and that's just sort of a general thing to identify there. I think we ought to talk, you know, just I wanted to mention that Paul was a great encourager. Uh, Barnabas, known as the encourager. We see these guys in the New Testament um, because ministry is hard. Serving the church is hard, and so we need men like that to to lift us up, hold up our arms, so to speak. Yeah, and and as men, just in our day to day lives, we have this expectation. With as men, we, we're not supposed to be criers. We're not. We're supposed to just suck it up and press on. We're not going to have heart. We can't talk about the hardships we're facing. You just gotta just kind of grin and bear it, and and hold it all in. Right, and and just don't share that with anyone. Typically, you're not seeing the guys on TikTok. Tick, 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 tock. Either one. Tick, tock, not tick, tock. I'm not seeing guys on either one. True. The uh, That's a arm of the Chinese state, and we shouldn't have that on our phones. So Okay. <laughs> Done. Done. But anyway, I, I just noticed an uptick recently on, on social media platforms of people filming themselves crying about the hard situation they're in. Really? Oh, like bawling about my parents gave me, like I saw one today that was being shared, my parents gave me dirty socks for Christmas, and it was... I don't even know what was going on, but it was somebody obviously, obviously was hurt by whatever had happened, but there's this, let me run to social media and cry, record it, post it out to get aff affirmation from people to do it. And the, I think that stems from, I don't see guys doing it. Guys are just typically not the ones doing that. Right. That's not a shot at the ladies out there or anything. Nope. They're different. But culturally, man, could you imagine if that was to be the common thing in our society, just as a dude grabbing your phone, flipping the camera around, throwing on the tears, and being like, my day was so hard today. Let me cry about it and share with you why. Um, and, and shed these tears for some likes on social media. So that's for sure odd. But But even then, I don't remember the last time that people just came to me that I didn't know. Um, that I didn't have a friendship or relationship where like, hey, let me share with you the hardship that I'm dealing with. Right. Be and I think that's because they aren't developing friendships with people, so they're just holding it all in. I see social media posts on occasion from people who are like, 
they're, they're, they're sharing like little reels and stories about about this specific thing. It's not a specific individual, but they're like, hey, men are meant to not do these, or men are, men are taught not to do these things. Men are taught to hold it all in. And, and I think that that's so opposite of what the scripture lays out for us, just right. in the stories we just mentioned. Right. So I hope tonight, if you're listening to this, consider if that's you. And if you're holding all those things in, you're not sharing it with anyone, hopefully by the time we get to this through tonight, you have a list in your head of like, okay, I need to find someone to get together with and share this burden of just life that I'm dealing with. Yeah. That I'm trying to do on my own, not to mention the hard things. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's wisdom there for sure. Yeah. And I want to say this right. Uh, men are, are allowed to cry. Just don't do it on the internet. How's that? <laughs> For sure. Like, yeah, like there are, t- like I had a pretty good streak going with no crying, but then we got this email from a listener in Indiana who it, it was so uh, encouraging and moving and really heavy. And I might have broke my streak when I read it out loud to my wife. And I was like, oh, she, this isn't good. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah, men need to have people that they can be open with and vulnerable with sometimes. Now, if your whole friendship is around you crying, again, uh, not all of your friendship should not be that, right? It yeah, needs to be a sure, lot yeah. of things. It needs to be a lot of things. So it's okay to cry in them, but if that's all you're doing, yeah. So, uh, how how does it work? How, how do you go find godly friendships? I wanted to talk about this uh, here for a minute. You you the first bullet up there. Can you see it? You said this because I think Kent Hughes was talking about some of these things. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, why don't you run through some of these? So we we. Push the um, Disciplines of a Godly Man book quite a bit on here. We mentioned it. I, I shared it on Facebook the other day. You can get it free right now as an ebook online. So check our Facebook page out. Grab it if you don't have it. But he just lays out some very specific things that that's our job to do if we want to develop friendships. He, he does a really good job of saying why we need them. Yeah. Talking about some of the things we even talked about here tonight, where he's like, hey, these are reasons why we need friendships. Um, he, he he mentions biblical examples of these things really heavily around David and Jonathan. Really, he uses them as a really all through as it's Second Samuel, yep, um, where the, the, that whole story gets played out. So he hits real heavy on that. But then he talks about, hey, you need these things. What are you going to do about it? He's not like, oh, don't do anything. Sit on your hands. It'll come and happen. Um, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It won't because it's work. And that's one of the points he makes. So he talks about, you know, praying for these things, um, being friendly with people, doing things like that. So Nobody wants to be your friend if you're not friendly. Yeah, being hospitable. We'll talk through these in a different in order here in a second, but, but being affirming as you talk to people, words of affirmation, just encouraging, being like Barnabas, and then just listening. That you know, It's not all about you. It's not like you said, this friendship's great because he listens to me cry <laughs> right. when I come to him. Right. It's not all about you. you know, yeah. to, to do the Dr. Phil, it's not about you. Yeah, and knowing those things, so oh, we just hit that list, man. Let's walk through it and talk about how it works. Was well, prayer? Yeah, what, what does that look like? What how, when you hear when I say, "Hey, man, pray that God would bring you a friend." Yeah, be intentional. I mean, appeal to the God of the universe that He would bring godly men into your life that you could share your life with, and and look around at who God's people are. Right, be praying for this, and then you have to seek it out. So. Don't be the kind of person that prays and prays and prays for something, but then never does any of the work to, to go apply it and or put it into practice. You know, it's so easy to do too because we like to kind of drown ourselves in our sorrows. I think as just humans, yeah, I think that's common. You know, the woe is me thing, right? Um, but yeah, pray about it, but work at it. 
yeah. you know, seek people out. But I think all these other ones we're going to hit fall right under that. Hey, you got to be friendly. Like, you know, if you meet a guy that, that you want to develop a friendship with, you have to let him, give him opportunities to do that, right? Invite him out. Like, I said it on an episode prior, like, I think the universal first hangout for a new friend is hot wings. If you're not eating wings with men, I don't know how else you'd do it. There are other ways. You could bowl, probably, or shoot pool. But, like, eating chicken wings has built more friendships for me for me than anything else I've ever done in my time. And so literally be friendly, invite people out to go do things, uh, be hospitable, open your house, uh, in your time up to these guys. And, and look, I hate to say it cause it sounds like dating tips, but like, you're going to take some else. Like some guys are just not good at this and don't get encouraged or I'm sorry, be encouraged. Don't get discouraged. If the first guy you ask is like, no, I'm busy or I don't really hang out. Okay. Go find another one. And you know? some people are just busy. You yeah, know, seasonal life. There's a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours. I'm still trying to get coffee with him. And it's been like a year. Wow. See him all the time, but just one-on-one time because he's gen- genuinely busy. I know that. Yeah. He's not blowing me off, but we talk other ways, yep. developing friendships in other ways. And that, that I think that's important, man, is just taking the risk of doing it Yeah, and saying, okay, I do need this. I recognize the need. Even if right now you're However many minutes into this podcast, you're like, well, I don't recognize a need. You have a need. Right. Just, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Plain and simple. And also, if you have friendships now and you're like, no, I got too many friends. Okay. Are you praying for those friends? Are you being friendly? Are you being hospitable? Uh, and then words of affirmation, words, positive words and affirmation are, are critical. Like, I, I say it a lot, I like to be the encourager, but there's not a person on the planet who doesn't need to be affirmed. And tell them that you like what they're doing. You see good things in them. And and that tell them what you see in them that they maybe don't see in themselves. Like, that's a quick way to let somebody know, you know, that, that you've identified in them positive characteristics. That, they're, that they, there's something about them that you like. And that's a great way to build on a relationship with yeah. somebody. So, And then the, the listening thing. Go ahead. Do you I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to comment on that, like the affirmation. I saw you this past week on Sunday with David say, hey, your shirt really goes good with your shoes. That's right. That's a great job. Always. And if like the belt shoe combination works, you got to say that. At some point, you say something about it. I got Okay. I got to say a thing. <laughs> so there's one of the basketball dads, uh, one of Achilles teammates' dads. This dude is like, is tough. Like you can, like when you meet him, you're like, this is a tough guy in a good way, not in a, not in a jerk way. I don't know what he does for a living, but it's with his hands. You can tell from his handshake. I'm going to guess bricks, cement, something, you know. He's just the positive picture of masculinity, right? I don't even know his name. I know nothing about him. The first and almost only words I've ever said to this man are, I love your shirt. I don't know where you got it, but I love it. And by the way, you two would have done the exact same thing because it was so sick if our internet was working, I'd make you pull it up. It's from uh, Duluth Trading Company, and it's got like grizzly bears on it. It's like a button down. It's like a Western wear. It, it was so sick, and I know it was a bold move for him to wear this shirt. And I was like, "You got to hear it from me. I love that shirt. Tell me everything." And so, the uh, second and only other conversation we've ever had is he was like, "I thought I was going to see you in that shirt tonight." But anyway, so don't be afraid to. But he remembered. But he remembered, right? Yeah, and I, and you made him feel good. Like in that moment, it's like Your friendliness to me, you know, out of all the things on this, all of them are good, but man, just being friendly to people. Yeah. We live in a society where you hit the self-checkout because you don't want to make eye contact with a person. Right. I got made fun of the other day going to the store. 
because I'm watching the lines as we pull up into Walmart and I'm like, oh, there's Tina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go hang out with Tina. My in-laws are laughing at me. They're like, you know all the people here. Yeah. And and like she as soon as she sees me walks up, she makes some smart crack and we're laughing at one another. But I've just been friendly with her. There's a lady at the Kroger who mean mugged me all the time. Yeah. She get really frustrated because they do this thing at Kroger where it's like, my name's so-and-so, and this is so-and-so, your bagger. Right. The first time that ever happened, my immediate response was, well, my name's Emery. I'm buying all this crap today. <laughs> right, right, right. She did not think that was funny at all because hey. you could tell she didn't like having to say it. You took a swing. In the first place. I was like, oh, that was a miss. But then I decided I'm going back to her line right. every time she's here. Right. And I'm going to become friends with this woman. You wore her down. I wore her down. Yeah. yeah. Nothing says I love you like a restraining order. So. That's right. And and that's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just being friendly with people. Hey, they got a name tag. Call them by their name. You know, yeah. Same thing just in life. Hey, figure out what their name is. Yeah. My, uh, I, so, okay. One of the weird self-conscious things about doing a podcast is, is particularly when we're like giving advice is sometimes it sounds like we got everything figured out. And I just want to say clearly to everybody. My goal in life is to be like a five out of 10 at a lot of different stuff. I'm not great at much. So before I, I just wanted to disclaim what I'm about to say. And just say, not with looks. Yeah, no, right. Nine, I'm an Indiana 10. I would say I'm an Ohio nine. I'm an LA four. Okay. So there was a time, I'm being friendly. I'm back to being friendly here. I affirmation, that sort of thing. There was a time during COVID, I was working remote. I was working from Troy and I'd be downtown every day. Same coffee shop, same restaurant. I see the same people. I got people all over downtown that I know from the gym, from church, from work, from whatever. And one of my sons asked me like two or three years ago, we were downtown getting coffee. And he's like, dad, are you famous? I'm like, why do you ask me if I'm famous? He's like, you know, everybody and everybody always talks to you and they all know you. And I'm like, no, but I'm friendly. <laughs> like, actually I might've lied and told him I was famous, but no, I mean, I'm friendly. I just, you know, and so it's a, it's a, it's a trait. And, and if you're easy to talk to, you're going to make friends. You're going to make friends. So yeah, and then we we hit it, but listening was the, the last thing on that list. It's not all about you. And if you're dominating most of the conversation, um, you're doing it wrong. And people don't enjoy talking to you. Yeah, you wear people out. Yeah, govern that for sure. And you can listen to the people at, I don't know, the checkout lines. We've we've talked about this. I think you and I personality-wise are very similar. Yeah, yeah. We know the names of the baggers. We know what their personality traits are like. We know what they're going to mention that's coming through. 100%. And I don't know, like I don't get annoyed by that. I'm like, there is one I got to go beat up at Kroger because he hit on my wife last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'll he, bet you I know which one, too. Uh, I bet you don't, actually. Oh, okay. It's it's not what you would think. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but he stopped her, and as she was leaving, she's like, all right, thanks. Have a good day. She was leaving, and he stops her. He's like, hang on. You look great. And she was like, thank you. And <laughs> just took off, and I was like, give me his face. I'm going to go find it. <laughs> Anyway, she still got it, guys. She's shopping at Walmart now. Uh, well, I think it would take more than that to get her over there, but uh, yeah. So, I like Walmart. You can go into Walmart and you can see the pajamas model that you can buy <laughs> when you're in there because somebody's wearing them. They're yeah. walking around in them already. Yeah, forgive me, audience, if I've already told this story, but I was walking. We were pulling into Walmart for some random. We never go there, but if there's like a one-off thing or you just can't find it, we'll pop in. And my son was like. Um, Dad, we're not Walmart people as we're pulling in. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, I don't even know what that means. And he goes, yeah, you do. He goes, all the workers, they stand in the front and smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, and one time we were here, I found a ponytail in the parking lot. And I'm like, 
you mean a hair tie? And he's like, no, it had the hair in it. It was a full ponytail in the parking lot. <laughs> so anyway, we're not Walmart people, apparently, allegedly. I went, I went the other day, and as I was pulling in, there's a dude in a Jedi robe. Of course. He ask, was the manager. Ask me how I know it was a Jedi robe. How do you know? Because he was carrying a lightsaber. <laughs> and he was on a mission. And in my head, I'm going, do I have my gun on? Yeah, right. I'm like, this guy's not all there. He, he looks like he's going to try to use his... I mean, it was a high-end lightsaber. It wasn't like the, the $10 Walmart ones. It was right. a nice one. He'd touch you up if he hit you. It was, yeah. I was like, okay, this is interesting. But I am Walmart people. That's where I go. Yeah, 100%. I, I get. I mean, I get the allure. Of my game. I don't come from old money, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you're you're humble. You're a humble yeah. man. You're a ham and egger. You're among the people. That's yeah. what we love about you. Average average Joe. You know, Joe Sixpack. You should run for office. Joe Cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about actuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not abs. Okay. You're a man of the people. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some examples of this. So, um, Name dropping. Name drop time. So I, I had a really good, clean example um, one of the the best male friendships I've ever had really grew out of somebody being super intentional about all this stuff that we've been talking about. And then that's my buddy, Bill. I met him um, 15 years ago at church in a new believers class. My wife had a lot of questions about the Bible. She was not a believer yet. Neither of us were baptized at this point. And I met this guy, Bill, in this class. And he was asking some good, hard questions uh, he was going through a, a, a tough time in his life. He was being super vulnerable and just just laying it out there. Here's what I'm going through, and I'm trying to trying to work through this. And that dude called me on the telephone like a week later, and he was like, "Would you like to hang out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm kind of busy on this day, but I'd hang out with you." And he's like, "Let's go eat chicken wings or some you know version of that." And uh, I'm like, "Great, let's do it." And then he called me again, and he was like, "Let's go fishing." And he called me again, and he was like, "Let's do this." And he just opened up a little bit and he was like, look, I, I need to build male friendships and it's work. And so the men I meet who I think are cool, I just call them and I try to set this up because I'm in a period of my life where I need good friendships. And he did all the heavy lifting for the first month or two because I was new to this. And every time we hung out, it was super fun. It was like that movie, I Love You, Man. We'd burn like eight hours and I'd come home and my wife's like, what do you do for eight hours. <laughs> like, yeah, we play Rush songs in the garage. No, uh, it was, but he did it and he was super intentional. And that friendship has stood the test of time for 15 years. And we've eaten a lot of chicken wings. We've done a lot of hunting and fishing. Um, and uh, we've been in many Bible studies together, but a lot of it has been predicated on asking for help. And this is the super sneak tip, like number one cheat code to build a friendship is ask a guy to help you do something. Mm -hmm. I got to change some brakes. You want to come help me? I know how to change brakes. Come help me anyway, right? Um, I got a leaky pipe under the sink. It would be good just to have another set of hands there. Somebody to help me YouTube it. I can't get my shower cartridge out of my shower. <laughs> Practical example recently here at the Phipps house. Yeah, but but if you ask men to help you do things, or ask them, like, all right, hey, I owe you one now. What are we doing at your place? You got a project you've been avoiding? That will force time together with no awkward silence. You know, it's not like you're going to be scrambling for things to talk about. It's, hey, hand me that wrench, right? You're not going to go deep. You're not going to be giving your salvation story probably when you're, you know, changing the exhaust on your Mustang or whatever. But you're, you're going to build time in the seat together. And um, so if you 
have been trying and you're, you're just, you've joined the men's softball league, you've done all the whatever, and you're just having a really hard time. Pick some of those guys that you enjoy spending time with or that you, you think are cool and you want to get to know better. Ask them to come help you with something. And any man worth his salt is going to come with a tool belt and help you. And odds are, if you find yourself leery of doing that, right, the people who you are thinking about asking are probably going, man, I wish I had more friendships like this. Right. And they're leery for the same reasons. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I'm busy. I got this. And as well as you said this, I think maybe even last episode, was like, if you don't make the time for it, it's not going to happen. That's right. So you got to be intentional about it. That's right. In our D group, um, probably within the last six months, I was having a conversation with one of the guys in there. It was just after the other two guys had left. We're hanging out in the front yard by his car, and he's just like, I didn't realize until the last few weeks how much I really need this. Ooh. Like just, he's like, he's like, not just like reading my Bible and things like that. He's like, just hanging out with dudes. He's like, I don't do this enough. Yeah. He's like, I need to do it more than just on D group nights. That's right. He's like, but this is awesome. Yeah. And now he's finding other ways to serve and, and ways that are, I don't want to drop his name, but helping out with, you know, men's retreats and, and things like that. Just helping serve yeah. alongside other guys in the church specifically to help people develop friendships because he sees the value in it. Yeah, it's super valuable. And that's another good cheat code is start a discipleship group. Get a couple guys together and start going through the Bible. Pick a book and, hey, we're going to do this every Saturday morning and we'll get up early before the kids are up or we'll do it late after the kids are in bed or whatever. But that, build build it into your calendar. That's really, you know, you talked about Bill. You know, one of my best friend is in some, we've been through a lot. Both of us have been through a lot together and lean heavily on one another. That friendship sprouted from a Bible study. Longer story, but it was it was one where I wasn't, it wasn't a Bible study where you just show up. It was like a group of guys who were really holding each other accountable. They met like three hours every Wednesday. Another friend of mine who just recently started in that group didn't quite understand the rules. Okay. He was like, hey, you should come to this tonight. You would benefit. Sweet. Uh, okay, cool. That, that sounds awesome. I'm trying to grow. Roll in. Everybody kind of looks at me like, why is this guy here? Ooh. But within... I don't know, 15 minutes, I've already shared, like, I always wear, like, the stuff I'm struggling with on my sleeve. Yeah. I'm just like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And and they told me later, like, the fact that you came in here and just shared such hard things yeah. that you're dealing with, and you're like, this is why I'm here. Real life. You know, I need some accountability. I need help. I'm trying to grow. I know I've been in sin. And they're like, all right, you're going to fit right in. Yeah. And I never left. And that was, like, three years worth of growth. But my friend Steve, like, man, we're very reliant on one another. As far as just accountability, encouragement, hey, pray for me today. And I know he's going to pray for me. He knows I'll pray for him. His kids need a ride somewhere, mine, you know, anything, you yeah. name it. Yeah. It's he's, going he, on. It happened out of a Bible study that I just was like, yeah, I'll go. He was the, he's the 911 call in your life. Yeah. And he's for sure, he's for sure the Nathan in my, my life because a few times he's had to be like, hey, you're being really stupid. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a couple of times I, hey, you're being really stupid. Yeah. Because we have the relationship and friendship to do. And it's not just like, hey, you're being an idiot. It's you're being an idiot because of the sin issue. Or hey, you're it boils down to that typically when we're being idiots. Um, but able to back it up with scripture. Yeah. Because we have that relationship. So get yeah. in a Bible study, get a friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. That's super great. Yeah, and you're gonna um have to be flexible. So like these relationships are not gonna be easy right away, and you're gonna have to take on their interests and learn things that you don't know how to do and care about things that maybe you don't care about, right? Like yeah, that listening part. Yeah. Well, frankly, like, like yeah. that's 
<laughs> like, I don't know how many times I've been in conversations where I'm like, I don't even know how we got here. <laughs> and right. I have nothing to contribute. Right. But I'm learning, and this person obviously needs to talk about this thing. Yeah. And just yeah. being available that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, you got to just be deliberate. Uh, David, do you want to punch in here? I got a couple questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. In this regard, because we're friends. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time together. I think we've talked a lot about like your testimony episode and how a lot of the foundation for our friendship is our love for the gospel mm -hmm. and serving the church and doing all these things. But also, I always say that you're a man of many hobbies. Yeah, yeah I am. And uh, so I love doing things that I don't give any time to, and you're good at being like, hey, let's just pick a Saturday. Like I remember like last summer, you were like, all right, this Saturday in six weeks, you're coming out to fish with me with the kayaks. Yeah, yeah. You're really good about building that in and being intentional in that way. Like, do you have anything to to kick in here on how friendship looks and works or the types of things to, to, to spend time, you know, with other men to grow those friendships? Yeah, so outside of this room, the, the majority of the guys that I hang out with are, are guys in our life group. And what I've noticed over the last two, three, four years is it's the availability, like you just said, it, it is hard to become available, but just that person knowing that you're there, even if you're not available that night, they know you're there. And the other day, Todd, just randomly, 7.30 at night, never asks me for help for anything. He's a very self-sufficient man. Just goes, hey, can you help me move this uh, little cabinet curio thing? It's right down the road. I just need some help. And it's it's that kind of stuff that they know that you're going to stop what you're doing and yeah. go help them. And that's a very very common trait in the men that we surround ourselves with. Right. And that's something that once you realize how many guys that are in your friends group are like that, you realize how many are not like that in the real world. Yeah. And it's so invaluable to have men like that, that you know, will just, you're going to find one out of these eight guys who's just gonna be like, yep, be there five minutes. And that's your guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, th and that's awesome. One to be that guy, which I am for some of these guys you and are you are guy. and Emery is, but it's, it's just knowing that you have that in your back pocket. You have these other godly men that you can just call up. Hey, man, I need some help. Hey, it's uh, 5.30 on a Sunday. Can you help me come track a deer? <laughs> yep, give us 15 minutes. We'll be out there. We've done that twice in the, in the yeah. last several weeks. Yeah. Um, you just uncovered a real gem, and I'm glad that you said that. You have to be that guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to be willing to jump. Um, I remember having this thought when I was new to, like, legit male friendship. I wanted to be the kind of friend that I always wanted to have. And when you think about it that way, I think it takes a lot of the question out of like the, what should I do here? How should I behave? What are the kind of things that I should be doing? Think about the kind of friend that you want modeled. What, what would an ideal friendship look like for you? And then go be that guy. Yeah. And, and explain these things to your wife. I think there, there, there's some very, I, this just needs to be said for, for most marriages. If you're going to start pursuing this, you need to be open with your wife about this and say, I'm not going to be sitting here all the time anymore. I'm going to try to go build some relationships, and I really need you to get on board with this because it's going to make me a better man. Mm -hmm. And that means when the phone rings at 9.30 and you got to get up and go or later. Uh, well, shoot. I mean, we had an example. I just remember this one. You called me from Drill. You were at Army. Oh, yeah. Raccoons. It was like 9.30 or 10 yeah. o'clock. You called me and you're like, hey, I'm at Drill. My wife is home alone with raccoons in the house. Can you go? <laughs> this wasn't that long ago, Emery. This was like six months ago. Yeah, Dude. yeah. And so it was like over the summer. And so it was late at night. And so I threw a ladder in some cages, some traps in my truck. And I just like zipped down, you know, because uh, of course. And my wife now, she's so conditioned to this. 
she would never be like, don't go, it's late. You know, her deal's like, can I come? Do you need help? What, you know, go do your thing. That applies to tracking deer. That applies to uh, whatever. Somebody's broken down on the side of the road. Like, it doesn't matter if I get a call from a friend in need, we're going. And um, you need to you need to make sure that your wife's on board with that and she understands why that's so important mm-hmm. and that the fruit that comes out of those relationships is so helpful and will grow you as a man and husband and make you better to be around, you know? And and then you really need to encourage her to grow friendships. And that for that's sure. even harder probably for women, I think. I just want to add, next time you have raccoons, call, I'm looking for one to slow cook. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't eat these trash cans Never eaten around them. my house. Yeah, yeah. So I tell you, you what. want fed on corn. I'll bring you a corn-fed coon, but I'm not eating it. <laughs> That's all you. All right. That's all you. We'll see. But David is uh, 100% that man. You know, we. I think we told the story in the podcast. The ceiling caved in. It was late at night. Mm-hmm. I just sent him the picture, and here he is with a trash can and a ladder, like, ready to help. You know, and uh, we all should be those men. And you need to be that man for your wife. You need to be that man for your kids. So your kids and your wife see it so that they do that. There's plenty of ways that we lead our families and they see us do things. They can come down here in my office and I'm reading my Bible earlier. If the boys come down early in the morning, they see I'm in here already. And, you know, they, there's been a couple of times they know, like, if my door's shut, like, don't bother me because I'm probably working. But, like, the door's cracked open. Um, they'll come in. I want them to see those things for sure. Yeah. But I want them to see this, like what we're doing here tonight. I want them to see me get excited. Yeah when you guys roll in or other friends roll in or if, hey, I'm going out to do this with my friends. They, I say that to them. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this with my friends. Hey, this person needs help. Or it's like, hey, I'm just going to go hang out with them. Yeah. Because I want them to have the anticipation that I have when they are thinking about going to see their friends. Yeah. So that hopefully they don't do what I did and have to like go through some hard stuff when I realize like, man, I really need guys and I don't have any. Right. I want them to be like, I'm going through some hard stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up Connor and Killian when they're 16 or 17 or whatever you know like yeah. I got I've got boys yeah like Paul had already and it's it's just built in because we've modeled it but they've grown in the same way and see the value of it yeah I always tell my kids when I'm going to do like a 911 call for somebody I I'll say it like you know the last weekend we went and helped a buddy track a deer it was nighttime I had to move a bunch of stuff around it was not convenient but I I literally told them you always go help your friend find the deer. <laughs> like I, if you remember it you know remember some of my uh, sage wisdom in your adult life always go help your friend find the deer you know because first of all it's it's so fun mm-hmm. and so good but also really really beneficial because now that friend knows that he can count on you you know you're a 911 guy you know and you'll probably get some deer meat out of it God willing. Yeah, I ate some of David's deer this this weekend. We ate some of your deer in a chili yeah. the other day. That was the last of it, but it was delicious. <laughs> yeah. These are good things. Those are That's a really good point. I'm glad you said that, David. You got to be willing and ready to go. So I'll, I'll throw a question out, and this you both answer it. We can all talk about it, but something that just popped into my head is like, why are we so dumb when it comes to this? What is the big deal with us having friends? Yeah, I think so. Why are we so resistant? Society's a big part of it. As you, you mentioned, I just think it's kind of come out of the framework of our society. It's it, We're a, a world of independent people. We live our lives on the internet. I don't think the pandemic helped with any of this, obviously, but um, I, I want to blame a lot of it on vulnerability. You know, we're just not wired by society to be vulnerable to each other, but we are wired by God mm. to be vulnerable with each other, to bear each other's burdens 
to pray for one another, to be honest about your sin. Like there are, there's a real stark difference. Like there is in every other aspect of life between how God designed us to be and how the world is. So it's not a great answer, um, but I think that that's a huge contributing factor. I think it's a great answer. Okay. Spot on, man. Like as you say that, it's like, yeah, we're in so many other ways, we're real quick to want to be to be the light, the yeah. salt and light. We want to be that. Why not this one? Why are we so resistant? Why do we Why do we hold on to that unwillingness? And I think that's within the church too, though. I think even within the church, at least I know before the last few years anyway, where it's been modeled for me by by good godly men within our church even. And, and, and in my old church, there were, there were people who were modeling that pretty well. Yeah. But just being willing to be vulnerable, even from a, a sin and a need um, for prayer that direction, yeah, we'll do that. Why can't we do that other places? Why do we got to be these guys that are like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm tough. I don't need help. I don't need, I don't need prayer. I don't need these things. Like, no, you do, man. You need all of that. Yeah. Because I don't know, man. If Moses needed help, right? If David needed help, if Paul, like, I want to read this verse before I forget, but go ahead. This is the tightest touch. It's a nice Bible. According to, yeah, this is a nice Bible. That was a gift. A good friend gave that to me. Yeah, it was beautiful. a gift from David. I got one too. Very, very fancy. It smells amazing. <laughs> so uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 7, Paul says here, he says, But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice still more. I just I read that and I'm like, man, Titus, who's like people viewed him as that guy. Yeah, like he's going to encourage us. He's he's not only going to encourage us, but he's you know he's going to he's empathizing with us as we're dealing with these things and causing us to consider that as well. And I think that's just so important as Christians when we consider day to day life, relationships, being relational with everyone, but especially with people within the church, within the body of Christ. Yeah. We should seek that out. We should seek out people who maybe, I don't know, everybody's got different personality types, man. No one, not everyone's as extroverted. Micah Monroe called me an ultravert. I like that. But it's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I said, thanks. Tell this that to your checkout. like a year ago. I was like, thanks. And she's like, no, you wear, you're the kind of person that wears extroverts out. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but not everyone's like that. Love you, Micah. You make awesome food and thank you for dropping it by my house and, that's a, that's a good being, being right a there. cool neighbor friend. Shout out to kids, Micah. So. We love you, Micah. But yeah, you know, within the church, there's just times where there's going to be people who don't have those those traits. They're not going to be the person to call the person and do that. They're we need to have our eyes open to that too. Like yeah. hey, these are people who aren't who need friends. Yeah, they want friends, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know what to do to make this happen. To me, those those people should bump to the top of our list of for wings. Yeah. If we recognize it. Yeah. If we truly want to be friendly to our brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. So that's just something that popped in my head as we were sitting here. But yeah. Well, one more thing occurred to me too, I think, about why we're not good at this. And it's guilt sometimes about taking time away from your family or your wife or your kids or whatever. We feel guilty because we're doing something selfish. It feels selfish to go have time to whatever, go spend two hours you know, trying to catch a bass with the dude or whatever you're doing. And I would just push back on that and say, I think you're wrong. If you, if your priorities are totally upside down and you're, you're spending time with your friends 30 hours a week, you're onto something you need to cut back. That's too much. But 
But if you don't have friendships because you feel guilty when you want to go and do something, I would just tell you you're missing out on a very important part of your life. And it and it's edifying. And it will grow you. And if these are godly men that you're spending time with and growing in those relationships, you're modeling biblical manhood. You're becoming a better husband and father, more patient, more loving, more fun to be around because you have this outlet. Yeah. Oh, man, for certain. So if your wife, you can send her this and tell her what minute to click into, whatever I just said that, tell her to start playing it there so she doesn't have to listen to the whole episode. But wives, your husband will be better men and better husbands if they have meaningful friendships. And if you encourage them to go spend time with their friends, be available to your wife all of the other time when you're with her and pour into her and you know apply that friendship ideal to that relationship as well, certainly. But men who have godly friends and have good friendship are better. They're better to be around and they need it. The greatest blessing in my life is when my wife says to me, every time I leave the house to do one of my many selfish pursuits and hobbies and friend things and service and all the other, she always says, enjoy your time. And it sounds sassy when I say it like that, but she means it. And she tells me she means it. She'll, she'll often say, and I really mean it, enjoy your time. And that means a lot to me because mm-hmm. I know I have the blessing and I don't feel that guilt when I'm gone. And, you know, and uh, yeah. So, oh, one more how to do it that I should say here because I didn't write it down, but it occurred to me. Do jujitsu. If you don't have any friends, go do jujitsu. You're going to hear about a lot of nerdy stuff you don't care about probably because most jujitsu dudes are killers, but they're nerds. Great place to meet 20 dudes all at once and uh, build some friendships. So that's all. I just wanted to say that too. I want to throw this in here at the end. It's kind of a hard question. And I'll start it off with, especially as a new believer, a lot of guys want to base friendship off of what they see in the secular world. It's real easy to go sit and drink 14 bush lattes while watching a football <laughs> game. You're not really getting anything out of that. You're getting four hours. Getting the hanging. runs if you're drinking yeah, bush lattes. Yeah, you're, you're hanging with the boys, but you're not growing those friendships. That's so good, David. And, and we started off with Proverbs about how friends, that you know, they build the hard times through adversity. Another thing that Proverbs 24 says is, my son, fear the Lord and the King and do not join with those who do otherwise. Mm. And I I know it's been a struggle for me over the years is it's real hard to sit down with a friend when you don't have a foundation to sit on. And I've noticed that the friendships that I have tried to cultivate, they will either pull back because of my Christianity or it's, it's hard at all to get in with them and just sit down and talk to them just as a guy. So how do we approach that? And how do we reconcile not letting the secular friendships we have draw us into sin? And is is there any tips and tricks to help draw these secular guys into the church? Well, you pointed out something. Again, David, another absolute gem that I'm so glad you brought up. No knock on guys who love watching football and doing that whole thing. I love football. It's great. Yeah, sure. But I think if we look at friendship as like, I sat with you for six hours on a couch and we didn't talk, but we watched a lot of football and we talked about the football. That's not really going to cut it. That's not what we're talking about. It's like going and sitting and watching a movie in the movie theater. Yeah, don't go to the movies if you're trying to build a friendship. Or with another man alone. That's that's weird. Well, my wife is is not going to go watch the new, like, whatever 
Jack Reacher movie. With, well, she actually would, but you, you know what I'm talk saying. To Karen, then Karen <laughs> buys tickets to John Wick before I can. <laughs> there are there are times when it's okay to go watch movies with your buddies, of course. But like, yeah. if it's a new friendship, football, watching football and not talking about anything the whole time, or going to a dark movie theater and not talking, is probably not going to be super helpful. Yeah, um, that's a good call. Like secular friendship, a lot of those are very shallow and weak because they're built around yeah, drinking drinking Bush Light and. Yeah watching the bangles or filling the blank. Like, and that's not really growing anybody. You're not going to get closer to somebody just, just watching football. Mm-hmm. And I know I said the thing about like, go change breaks or whatever. You're doing a task. Yeah. You're applying yourself. You're doing something with an end goal, with a sense of accomplishment. There, there's something happening there. And I will just be willing to bet you're probably going to talk about some stuff while you're in the throes of that job that you're working on. And so... Yeah, the the super boiled down, we're just talking about quarterbacks for four hours, is not meaningful. Yeah. Good call. Anything to add to that one, Emery? The only thing that pops in my head that I could say to add would be vulnerability. We, we've used that word a couple times here tonight. But to develop relationships with people that are deep, there has to be some vulnerability. Yeah. And for me, I've found, and this is hard for a lot of people, but just coming into it with like, I'm okay with not being perfect. I'm okay with having struggles. Sure. I hate it. I wish I wish I was better. You know, I can't wait to not have to, you know, work on the whole sanctification thing <laughs> and just be glorified yeah. and be, you know, be good to go and I have to worry about sin anymore. But just to meet with somebody and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this or hey, pray for me. Um, because this is an issue that I, I find myself dealing with. And being, you don't have to tell them your deepest, darkest secrets, but if you talk to someone that you don't know all that well and say, man, I'm I'm really not doing great in this aspect of, of my spiritual walk or anything like that, it's going to take down, I think, some barriers and some worry on the part of the other person because they're going to realize, oh, this is just a dude like me. And I wish all people were more like that. So we didn't have this idea that somehow, oh, they're just... They could never appreciate who I am because they're just too cool. Mm. I'll throw my daughter under the bus. Like <laughs> she has said numerous times before she ever hung out with you or you or D, she was just like, "They're just too cool. I could never hang out with them." Sure. And I'm just like Madison. Like, it's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> like they're not that cool. Okay. Well, yeah. But, but not just just being able to say, okay, hey, don't look at people like, oh, they're killing it in their walk. Therefore, they would have no time for me. Especially if you're a believer, young believer, and you're like. Man, I just want to grow. Go grab that person. Go talk to them. Because I guarantee you, if you view them as if they're like super Christian, yeah. for one, they're not. Yeah. And two, they're going to meet with you if you're like, hey, I'm trying to grow in my faith. They're never going to say no. It's like a, it's a gimme. Right. Like that's the ease. That's low-hanging fruit. Right. Just go ask that person. And they're going to, they're going to, and you'll develop relationships and friendships um, and grow. And the truth is, is those people that you think are just so cool and they would, they wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to hang on that level. That's foolishness, first of all. But also, the more time you spend with them, that shine fades really quickly. Like they trim their toenails too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they do taxes, they do arbitrary, stupid, meaningless stuff most of the time, like you do. For sure. So just go break down that wall. And that goes back to that leadership episode where you said, have that person that's pulling you up. If you don't think you can hang, let them pull you up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a good call. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I, I really hope people take this seriously because my life is so much better because I have friends. Oh yeah. So much better. I was sitting here when you were talking a little bit ago about you and David and something there kind of 
squirrel brain kicked in. But I was just thinking about a time before I was back in church. I was going through some hard times, but I really needed to get away from the house. So instead of going and hanging out with friends and enjoying my time, there was this little Thai restaurant in Hebrew that I would just go. By yourself? By myself. I'd sit there and eat some Thai food just because it was something different. Yeah. But that's what it turned into every month. I'd just go there and eat dinner and just chill in a booth. Kind of people watch because I like to do that. Very much fun. And just relax. But sitting here thinking about how wasted those hours were. Yeah. Because I was in a booth by myself. It's very sad. Because, you know, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. But no, I, I, I wasn't seeking out a way to be with anybody. There was just, I wasn't being intentional. I was still in that mindset. I was like, well, I just need to, I need to decompress. I can do this on my own. Yeah. And, and there's just regret that I feel of like, man, had I recognized the need or admitted a need, yeah. more importantly, so much more good would have come out of those moments. It's so hard for me to picture a time in your life where you didn't have a bunch of friends because you are an ultrovert and you're super fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird now to think about, but it was, it was, it was just like, no. I had, I had years in my life like that. When we moved here, it was two years before I made a friend. You know, because of, I was working constantly, but it was all just the nature of it. Like, and, and I, and I had, I remember there were a couple guys that I really spent time with and tried to develop that with. And it just, you know, chemistry, it just wasn't meant to be. And you're trying to, you know, make it work. But, um, and I think we can add that. That's okay too. Yeah. 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 You're they're, not gonna, they're not all going to be great friends off with everyone. No, keep, keep moving. Keep, keep working trying. at it. Don't let that discourage you in any way. But you know what? Those people that you don't hit it up with, hit it off with, if they ever hit you up. You should drop everything and go, you know, track a deer with them. Be that man. Yeah. Be that man. Those are the men I'm drawn to, are the ones who are just bad dudes. Like, you can count on them for anything. And that those men can look a lot of ways, right? So, like, with you guys, it's it's far more traditionally masculine, military background. You're ready to go. You got an M4 and you're ready to hit the road if we need to for some weird story. Just one? <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got an M4s. <laughs> um, but my point is, is that like, there's that picture of masculinity and manhood. And I, I need men like that in my life. But I also have those 911 dudes who are accountant types or engineer types who there are some really aggressively masculine engineers and accountants disclaimer. I got to say it, but also what you're picturing in your head when I say those words, men like that. And those are bad dudes too, uh, who are in my circle that it doesn't matter what I need. They're there. And that's the goal. That that is the dream scenario where we all need to try to be be working toward to have this small, stable, this small inner circle of men that, uh, it, regardless of what comes up. But again, like you just said, you have to also be that yourself. Mm -hmm. So be the kind of man that you want your friends to look like, and I bet you you'll start to find those men. I think it's a recurring theme over the last few weeks. Is 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 that be the kind of leader that you would want other people to be? Be the kind of friend you want other people to be. Um, serve the way other people would want you to serve. Study God's word the way you would want someone else to encourage you to study. All those things tie in together, and it's just taking those steps. And I and I think just admitting, hmm, okay, this is a weakness of mine. Yeah, I got to work hard at it like anything else because it's not just going to happen. Right. I wanted I, I want to read one more um, biblical excerpt example, and it's ladies. You're going to get it before I start reading it. The most, probably the best verses about loyalty and sticking beside somebody who's going through it. Oh, oh. Is it with an R? Yeah. <laughs> Ruth, oh, Ruth and Naomi. 
this is beautiful. You'll hear this a lot at like weddings, these verses, which is cool. It makes a lot of sense in that with no so. context. Like, yeah, like the first thing I think of at a wedding is like, oh, husband died. What's the husband's well, died? What's the context quote, David? Text without context is pretext. There you go. But um, if you're unfamiliar with the story of Ruth, it's really encouraging. This lady, Naomi, loses her husband and sons, and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, is steadfast and stands by her side. And Naomi just keeps telling her to go. Go back to the land that you came from. Go start a new life. Don't stay here with me. Like, I have nothing more to give you. I have no more sons for you to marry. And Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And that's really dramatic. And you're never going to be in a friendship like that, where those words need to be said, or should be said, frankly, probably. <laughs> like, no, where you're going to be buried where your wife is buried. But like, the spirit of that intention there, when somebody was in their their darkest day, to stand by them in that way and encourage them in that way and say the thing that needs to be said in that way, that's a beautiful biblical example. So I, I just would be remiss if I didn't say it during the episode. I think that it's super applicable, and some people were probably thinking it at the beginning. So wanted to cover it. Shout out to those uh, biblical ladies for being such a good example. Okay, what else needs to be said? Any, oh, you know what? One more topic, serving. I think serving is a great basis for friendship. So you will find good men to be around serving. We've said it here, right? Putting up the big white tent. You met 20 dudes. Spoiler alert. That's what we're talking about next. <laughs> yeah. Next episode will be on serving, serving the church. Godly men serve the church. But get in those men's Bible studies, get in uh, discipleship groups, go to the men's retreat and find ways to serve at your church because working side by side with men for the glory of God to serve the body is first of all, you're going to find a bunch of great candidates, qualified biblical men. Like that's that's the pool to pull from. But also, you're again working toward a common goal. You've got something that's happening there that that is bearing fruit. And I can't think of a better way to meet good godly men and to to strike up those conversations with. That's when I came to Coinos. The f first thing I did was help put up the tent. I may have mentioned that on here, but like yep. I can in my head. Think of all the people that were there. Yeah. Most of them I'm serving with somewhere in the church again. Yeah. And other places. But I've got friendships with all of them. Right. Pretty much all of them. Right. And it started like the first people I met was like, oh, there's that guy. There's this guy. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's a people. Those are my people. Like, hey, if they're going to come and put up this tent. And like some of those guys are just studs the way their mind were. Keith Lewis, you're like brilliant smokes man like i would have never thought to do that it's amazing you know what he did to his car no dude he got a mercedes-benz to run on vegetable oil what yeah he goes to restaurants and takes their old used oil and drives a mercedes powered by vegetable oil that's how smart that dude is he did that himself did not know that yeah, he's a man but yeah guys like that but you know what we see him serving at the church in different ways always just yeah so that's a great place to start go find somewhere to serve and if you don't know where to serve just go ask somebody there's always somewhere that needs somebody to serve yeah always yeah. and if your church doesn't do men's retreats come to ours in february it's so fun for me to watch little friendships kind of spark out of the men's retreats that's the second and third february second and third i'm teaching a breakout session i found out this week it was confirmed nice uh i'm psyched about that but you literally watch friendships develop at men's retreats and those dudes 
like I, I bet you if we polled some of the guys at church, like, like, did you make friends at the men's retreat? They would all say absolutely. And there's probably a bunch of very cute little stories about. Oh, and you get to see a side of people you never thought you'd see. Yeah, playing silly games, doing breakout sessions, like legitimate, like heartfelt stuff also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all of it. Yeah. I love the men's retreats. Me too. It's a highlight for me, for sure. So, all right. Uh, did we cover it all? I think so. And if we didn't, shoot us an email. Somebody reached out this week. I got to share with you guys, but they're just like, hey, on our false teaching episode, they're like, hey, could you talk about this aspect of it a little bit more? Because I'm curious about that as an individual. Like, what can I do there? Or, or can you explain your position on this more? was really what it was about. Yeah. But yeah, but fair enough. We'll start collecting those up. Maybe do like a whole episode. Of like, okay. So Q&A episode. This. Yeah. Yeah. The Godly Manhood Podcast at gmail.com. You also jump on Facebook and uh, follow us there, shoot questions there, and Instagram. Uh, our Instagram is light. I think it's kind of new. Yeah, barely new. We're trying to build all that, all our social media. So share away, like it, man. If you want to know, hey, how could we help the Godly Manhood podcast just grow and more people hear it, hop on Facebook and hit share on yeah. anything. Like something because the way the algorithm work works for pages like that now is hard unless we're boosting posts and spending money. Yeah. So the best thing people can do is like and share just organically. Yeah, yeah. Check us out there. It seems um, super easy and small, but it, it's a big deal. So we And yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends to listen. And there are people listening. That's kind of cool to watch every week our analytics kind of uh, show where people are listening from now. Yeah. Yeah, it's super fun. We kind of joked about Turks and Caicos. Caicos a couple weeks ago. Boom. Got some listeners there now. That's crazy. So awesome. So, awesome. Okay. Did you prepare a uh, speed dating question this week? Yeah, I know that's the only reason people are listening. <laughs> I th- couldn't agree more. What are you thinking? Do you got one? I got one, yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go for right. it. So, totally legit possibility scenario. Would you rather fight a shark or a lion? Mm. What is the terrain? How deep is the water? Well, shark's not going to fight you in the desert, buddy. Well, if he did, I'd probably win. I'd just run. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I need to know. Cool. That's it. Mm. Well, uh, how deep is the water? Let's, let's go great white. Let's let's do terrifying if we're going to, because a lion's pretty terrifying. But can so, I touch the the ground? Yeah. Are we on the beach sure. or are we out? You, you you can, I don't know, shoulders, shoulders, mm. shoulders uh, and up is out of the water. Man. I'm going, mm. I wonder which one has more confirmed kills every year. I bet you lions. Lions, lions for you think sure. think so? I, I'd fight the shark. I bet the, the, whole, the whole dolphin poking them in the gills thing, and it gets them to run away or they die. Something about dolphin noses. All, dude, all you got to do is three stooges them in the eye, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> their eyes are on the outside of their head. You need uh, two hands. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's how all these people are always surviving them on Discovery Channel. I jabbed his eye hole. Okay. I don't like my odds with the great way. I'm, I'm going to go lion. I can't go lion. swim, so it, I don't get in water that I can't see the bottom of, typically. Like, if I don't see the bottom, it's like, no, I'm good. good. I'll stay right here. I like my, I, there's enough biblical examples of people that have killed lions. I'm going to go lion. That's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Not one guy in the Bible ever fought a shark and lived. That's scriptural. Yeah. Yeah. That's Read your Bible. Point. I don't know. I think I would definitely go with lion only because... I can't swim to save my life, man. <laughs> That's a so factor. like I'm dying so fast with a shark. Like, okay, I have no no chance. Sure, Thanks. and at least with a lion, somebody's probably getting video. Yeah, like there'll be a record my grandkids can sing about for generations. Yeah, I wouldn't feel good about it, but I would do it. 
Because yeah. that line's going down. David? Yeah. So what weird thing do you have nostalgia for? Whether it's like an old TV commercial. Yeah. Just what is the thing that every time you see it, you're just like, man, that brings back the memories. Well, every time I say one, Emery's mom finds it and buys it for me. <laughs> Tell her that you want the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Because <laughs> this was like my 40th Christmas without getting it. I just saw one of those. They're like 1500 bucks yeah. if they're missing all the parts. Yeah, I was going to tell you. I found one. I think it was $1,400 oh. Yeah, at a, at a vintage toy store. I got my kids some presents. Was it like all together? I don't know. It was the bo- it was in the box, but it, it wasn't like unopened. So I don't know how many how together it was. But I bought it's my be kids my a, midlife crisis buy. I got my kids a GI Joe Jeep and some vintage GI Joes there, and they had a aircraft like the carrier. big ones. Yeah, big yeah, twelve inch or whatever they are, ten inch. So, all right, nostalgia. The first thing that came into my mind when you said it uh, is Slimer High C. Mm, Remember the pull. green the yeah. green High C with Slimer good from Ghostbusters? Pull. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I lived on that stuff, and it came in a can, and you had to open the can with a can opener, like the punch, you know, deal, and mm-hmm. it would clug, clug, clug into the glass. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm getting thirsty. And Martha, don't <laughs> worry. You can't find it. They don't make it anymore. So don't go she'll, to the she'll commissary. Find it. She'll, she'll find it at Aldi. She'll get me like a uh, eBay unopened <laughs> from 1993. Vintage. Very fine year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sommelier if I see... I love that. So are we going with nostalgia like anything? Okay. Yeah. So Food. Like, for me, it would be cocoa wheats. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because my grandma Phipps would always make cocoa wheats in West Virginia. That and rice checks. Like to me, those are the two things that like my mother in law was making a checks mix tonight and there's a box of rice checks. I'm like, sweet. If only I had a cool it bowl to eat those out of. Yeah. Because I have my spoon from my granny's house that I still like, I kept, when she passed away, my Aunt Sharon grabbed that for me, and she was like, here, I got you your spoon from Grandma's you always ate with. Nice. Um, but yeah, cocoa wheats, because it just makes me like, just remember some fun times in West Virginia. All right. I have a I story about cocoa wheats. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I hate that I always have stories about things. I'm sorry for the listeners, but I used to live in Warsaw, Indiana for a spell, and there was a cocoa wheats factory there. Wait, what? Yeah, and there was a... Um, at some point, somebody like robbed a gas station near the Cocoa Beast place. I think it was a gas station robbery. It might have been a bank robbery. But anyway, it turned into a big shootout with the cops. And they're blasting at each other. And that Cocoa Beats building got shot up. And I think the Cocoa Beats sign had a bullet hole in it like forever. Hmm. It was like the big thing. So anyway, but yeah, they would make it there. And it That's was awesome. great. Yeah, it's a good food. I like it. All right. What was your nostalgia? Any Creed song. <laughs> I don't Stop know. I, I don't know why. It's unacceptable. Every we time. don't know why either. So that <laughs> this is this is the reason. It's really only the song "My Sacrifice." Years and years ago, I was I don't know. It's probably thirteen or fourteen. I was big into wrestling. And one of the wrestlers tore both of his quads, or tore one of his quads in the match. And there was this Creed "My Sacrifice" song that came over, and it had all these little clips from wrestling. And every time I hear that song, I think about that video from twenty twenty five years ago. And I'm just like, man, those were the good old days. Those are the days I miss. So they played that song over the cliffs of him tearing his. Yeah, yeah. They they also did a YouTube video for it as well, like on his return. But that that one specific song, every time I just it comes on and I just listen to it and I just reimagine that video playing in my head the whole time. Wow. Uh, Okay, I got one. It's kind of fun. What was your first favorite band? And I don't mean pop, like not. I mean with instruments, because otherwise I'd have to say the Spice Girls. Mm. Mm. So band with guitars. I'm trying to think of names. I might have to look up the out. So 
my dad loved 60s music. He had all kinds of albums and stuff growing up. Madison still has all of them upstairs. But the American Graffiti soundtrack was like my favorite album yeah. as a kid. Like I loved 50s and 60s music. So just about anything off of that album, especially like the high-pitched white guy. Oh, like Wheeler, like Ricky Valley. Ricky Valley, that's what type, I was going to say. Type music. Anything from the 50s, uh, Earth Angel. Oh, great. One of my favorite songs ever. Not not a white guy band, but. No, but uh, but solid. But yeah, like Motown. Oh, man. When I, was, I, I can't think of one, but that's music to me. Like if I'm just like wanting to chill, dude, I could slap on any, any Motown list from Spotify or somewhere and just jam. This is actually a super great soundtrack. Oh, I mean, it is a lot of that, like... Uh, I have the original album upstairs. It's the best. Yeah, there's yeah Chuck Berry's on here. Uh, Why Do Fools Fall in Love by the Teenagers. There's one some, of my favorite songs ever. Yeah, there's some really good... This is a solid... Love pick. Potion number nine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Johnny B. Good's on here by uh, Chuck Berry. Yeah, this is good. This is, I only have eyes for you, the Flamingos. There. Yeah, there's some good... I like that a lot. Yeah, so I can't... Th- but any any band from the 50s and 60s, like, but that's that album specifically to me is like... I listen to it all the time. Yeah. So not a band, but... That count. I like that's that. That's a good answer. I remember. Like, that's my favorite. What about you, David? Yeah. It's the band that kind of propelled my love of metal outside of Mushroom Head, because that's pretty industrial, was a band called Bleed the Sky. I've never even heard of them. Yeah, they're This fantastic. was before the internet, too. You're like just finding this. Yeah, stuff, this like, is two, uh, it was 2003, 2004, maybe. I but, just got my first email, I think. It was like the intro. All my buddies were like, here, listen to this band first. It'll kind of give you the good bridge into the real hard stuff. But that, I love that band. It's really good. We're going to have to do a YouTube channel for the podcast just of our, some of the music we mentioned on here. Yeah. 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 Kind of sweet. What about you, Brian? Uh, I got my, the first genre of music that I really fell in love with, like most people my age who like heavy music, was the the stepping stone, the the gateway drug was pop punk. So I was a big Blink One Eighty Two fan, of course, and MXPX. Which MXPX? Do you know them? They were like a Christian pop punk band from Bremerton, Washington. Like come back too, but yeah, they're they're real big. They're MXPX. MXPX. Yeah, my son Killian's really into them now too, which is kind of fun to like watch that transition. Um, I don't think they're not they don't identify as a Christian band anymore, and I think the singers like no longer Christian, but uh, their music is super tight. And I think about those uh, pop punk bands. When I think about kind of my first favorite band with instruments, you know, you kind of graduate from the uh, Spice Girls in my case or whatever your thing was, but. TLC. Did, my, I ever, did I ever tell you the TLC story? No. So the first first physical media I ever had that was music that I ever owned, yeah. I, grandma and I went to Meyer, and I said, grandma, I really want this. And it was TLC's Crazy Sexy Cool. Don't go chasing waterfalls, buddy. Yeah. It, it, that was the first piece of media I ever owned when it came to music. Well, that's cooler than mine. First of all, TLC's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they are. And mine was, uh, like the American Graffiti soundtrack, mine was the Space Jam soundtrack. I got it for my 10th birthday. That was a banger banger soundtrack. It was. I need really to find good. a copy of that for my boys. They've been watching Space Jam like crazy. It's hard to find, and it's not on streaming platforms. Like, the whole soundtrack, it's, like, truncated. There's, like, two songs on there. The rest of them, you have to go... To Brian McKnight's page or to R. Kelly's page or to whoever is on that soundtrack, but were eight tracks still a thing as you were? Oh yeah, for sure, right, Emery? You, I almost I. You're like what? 62, 63? He was born. <laughs> he was born in sixty two or sixty three. I gave cool. this to somebody. I actually scored on on uh, Facebook a couple of years ago, like a great set of eight tracks with an eight track player. Hmm. I've never seen one in real life. Oh man, that's why I'm asking. Because if, if anybody has one, you do. I've I've had one. Oh. 
Wow. I would love to get one of those. Uh, my mom's mom had this awesome, like, Victrola cabinet or whatever. But it was like one of those wooden cabinets mm-hmm. from the 70s. Yeah. Had a record player and eight track. Yeah. I'd love to find one of those, like, that works. Yeah, those are cool. My grandma's house growing up had a built in, um, hu- I mean, huge. Like, in my mind, it's 30 feet long. It's probably 20 feet long, but it was cabinets with displays to put picture frames and things in. But the entire countertop was a stereo system mm. with speakers built into it. And it was a record player and probably like an eight truck player and a cassette player. But the crazy thing is like when they built that house, that was top of the line. And then 20 years later, completely obsolete. And it took up so much space mm. in this house. Yeah. It was part yeah. of the house, you know? So, yeah. But yeah, my dad had the same thing with the VCR and it, it had like everything was built into one giant box. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, our kids are not going to have any of that. It's all no. just like old iPhones. My kids have uh, a. <laughs> I was I was mentioning the Space Jam thing because I actually when I was going through some of my dad's stuff after he passed away, he had more VHS tapes than Blockbuster. Wow! <laughs> like, and they were just in boxes. They had they'd been in the attic. Like, no one had watched them forever. He just kept them all. He'd go to garage sales and buy like a tub of tapes for five bucks. Yeah. But I found like the Jurassic Park VHS in there. And my boys, like, they have it on a counter upstairs with all their dinosaurs. They're like, yeah. That's so awesome. if I could find a Space Jam soundtrack, that'd be sweet. I ha- Yeah, I have a... I got to raise some future collectors, man. Who's going to take my breast pumps when yeah. I die? Your future daughter-in-laws are going to love that about you. That's super great. I have a Space Jam uh, promotional, like, thick cardboard poster from when the movie came out mm. that was somebody left in a house I bought. And I'm like, oh, I'm keeping this. Yeah, this is great. Sure, man. That's so. awesome. What, what is your most recent cardboard? Uh, yeah, so the girls at work... For Christmas. Are you a Yellowstone guy? Oh, I love Yellowstone. Okay. The girls at work got me a life-size cutout of Rip from Yellowstone nice. that now sits near the urinal in the guest bathroom. So everybody that walks in there is just like... Scared the crap out of me yeah. in front of Rip. <laughs> yeah, well, that too, but it scares everybody who opens that door. Madison had Hunger Games when it came out years ago. She was seven or eight or whatever. She wanted a cardboard cutout of Katniss. Yeah. And it sat in a corner in her room right by this window. <laughs> Creepy. Always freaked me out. Yeah. Because I'm always like on edge that somebody's breaking the house. I got some paranoid issues that way. Yep. I'd walk past her room. Door would be open. I'd be like, huh. It's Katniss. Inquiring minds want to know too, in the last week or two, have you slipped and fallen on a giant rat that holds toilet paper? <laughs> no, I'm alive. That got a lot of buzz. Oh, the, yeah. uh, our, really? our irrational fears. I've heard oh, a lot yeah. about this. Um, also, yeah. David's wife is really upset because apparently we didn't ask the question right. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll ask you. What's the question? How did it go, Brian? <laughs> I, I, so it's, um, what is an irrational fear you have about uh, a way of injuring yourself? An irrational fear of an injury that's obscure. Mm. So yours actually fit perfectly. Perfect. Yeah. Yours was was dead on accurate. And then, yeah, again, her father's is walking eyeball first into a, an object or whatever. Um, I don't know that I have, I mean, I don't want to be impaled, I would say. That makes me a little cringed. Yeah. But I don't really have anything like that. So. No. Mine's being buried alive. Oh, fair. fair. I, I think that's a very rational fear, so it's just never going to happen, I hope. That's why you get buried like the Shroots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and stand in a grave on your wedding day. Okay. Well, I think we did it. Uh, godly friendship. It's important. We hope that you, if you need to work on this area in your life, do it. And uh, just reach out and keep doing it. And know that it is work and it doesn't come easy. But then once it happens, it becomes very natural and very easy. So do the hard work. Yeah. I don't think we can say any more than that. Yeah. And do push-ups. Do push-ups. Thanks for listening. Yeah, have a good week. We'll see you uh, next Tuesday. Yeah, peace.